Good evening and welcome to another edition of Rev. My name is Lori Enright and we are so excited that you've joined us for the next 30 minutes. At any time, if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer, send us a quick email to rev, R-E-V, at eaglecountryonline.com. Special thanks to Mark Kramer and our friends at Kramer's Beer House for making the show possible. Visit the Beer House for lunch or dinner seven days a week on State Route 128 in Cleves. David Vaughn here. Welcome to another edition of Rev. We love coming to you on Sunday night at 7. We're talking about all these topics. Last week was prayer. This week, I've got a special guest that I want to cover another. So I've been so excited about having James Hansey here because I know there's a lot of folks in Eagle Country, although they would never say it, who struggle with questions uh, about the Bible. Obviously, we're all about the Bible. We love that. Uh, and so James Hansey, t- tell us a little bit, James, for our Eagle Country listeners. Uh, James is on our staff, but tell us a little bit about your story uh, here. Gotcha. Well, it's great to be here, uh, David. Uh, join you on Eagle Country for the Rev Show. We are very glad. I'm glad to be a part of it. So I've really spent about the last 25 years of my life uh, just being devoted to the study of Scripture. Uh, that began at a Bible college that I went to in Tennessee, and then been able to uh, work at several churches and various roles, uh, preaching and uh, working with student ministry, but always uh, just had a love for the Word and then was blessed to be able to go to Cincinnati Christian University to the seminary there and uh, pursue a master's degree in biblical studies. And so uh, it's just been a huge part of my life to dedicate myself to just knowing as best I can what the Word is about so that I can communicate that to other people and uh, help them understand what God has communicated through the Word. Yeah, and we're all about studying the Bible at Whitewater, one of our core values, right? Uh, And it's a powerful thing, you know, when the Bible is read. Mm -hmm. Haven't we discovered that? Aren't the studies coming out that say the spiritual catalytic event, is that correct? Is the study or the the pondering of The number one thing that uh, provides spiritual growth for people is engagement with the Word of God. It's number one across every survey I've ever so no matter what church background you come from, yep. uh, the key to grow spiritually at its essence it's is just study the Bible. God's word. And maybe right. that's why the devil works so hard at sure. keeping us from studying it sure. uh, at a specific time and yep. place and things of that nature. Yep. Well, James is eminently qualified for this. He does some lecturing there at the seminary, and he, I really, really depend. I know you on Eagle Country think I'm very theologically elite and smart. I'm really not. I just put some people around me that are really smart. So I'll, whenever I get a question from somebody in church, a little insider information that's a little deeper, I'll say, James, you're up. And he does such <laughs> a good job with that. And last Sunday, uh, James preached one of the greatest messages, and I'd encourage you to get on our website, whitewatercrossing.org, Check out the sermon that James preached, and uh, we invite you to come and hear it live any mm-hmm. weekend. It's a, you'll find out how we kind of teach the Bible, read the Bible, apply the Bible. But James had a, has had a great way. He's kind of the professor in some ways, but at his heart of hearts, he's a pastor who loves God and loves the Bible. So we want to make it real. So I want to probe a little bit deeper, though, sure. James. What if there's somebody out there in Eagle Country uh, who says, you know, okay, I, I, I read the Bible, I know a little bit about the Bible. How do I know mm-hmm. that the Bible really is the source of truth? Yeah. Isn't there like other yeah. holy texts yeah. out there? And how do what would you say to a sure. person who's uh, either wanting to that or maybe a skeptic sure. in Eagle Country? There might yeah. be a few of them. What would you say? 
Well, there's a couple things um, I think that are helpful in understanding uh, the validity and what we would call the veracity or the truthfulness of God's word. One is that very mu- a lot of it was originally based on oral tradition, mm. uh, so it was spread word of mouth before uh, it was written down. But uh, we're actually all familiar with that, right? Because almost every family has stories that are passed down from generation to generation. Do you remember when grandpa was seven years old and, you know, that gets passed down? Uh, Nobody necessarily writes that down, but that story gets communicated over the generations. And so that's how the the scriptures originally started. So, uh, for instance, uh, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. Well, nobody was there when God created the world, Mm. and yet Genesis starts there. And so it started with this oral tradition of people communicating how they understood God to have started everything the way it was. And eventually, it was a couple thousand years later before someone wrote down, church tradition tells us the first five books were written by Moses. So before he writes down that oral tradition that has been passed down generation to generation to generation to generation. The other piece is a lot of the scripture that we have, a lot of the texts that we have, um, is based on eyewitness testimony. Mm. Again, we count that as valid in the court of law in the United States. So if there is a crime that's committed, one of the key pieces of evidence is the eyewitness testimony of people who witnessed that crime take place. And that has, there's a weight to that testimony in the legal system. Well, that's the basis for much of the scriptures. Again, not all of it. Some of it, again, has been passed down, but much of it is based on eyewitness testimony. So especially when you get into the New Testament part of the scriptures, where we have the four Gospels uh, testifying to the ministry of Jesus, that is all based on eyewitness testimony, right? Luke even tells us at the beginning of his Gospel, I have uh, taken careful, uh, I've made a a careful account Mm. of the things that are recorded here, right? He interviewed people who interacted with Jesus directly. And so our faith is not necessarily in this book, hmm. right? We don't say we're, we're our, our faith is in the Bible, right? Our faith is in the eyewitness testimony of the people who saw the things recorded in the Scriptures. So again, I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross because it's written in a book. Hmm. I believe that Jesus died on the cross because John was there, and he told hmm. me about it in the Gospel of John, hmm. right? I believe that Jesus healed people because Matthew was there and saw it happen, and he wrote, wrote it down. Again, that would be legitimate evidence in a court of law to right. prove that this actually happened. So um, again, I don't, I don't want people to think that the Bible just fell from heaven, right. and, and then we're just supposed to just accept it without thinking about it. How was it put together? Yeah, right? How was the Bible put together? Um, in both cases, Old Testament and New Testament, there were different, uh, it was different time periods, different processes that the uh, followers of God went through to collect that. Uh, so I'll briefly talk. We have a little bit more historical evidence for how the New Testament hmm. in particular is put together. Um, and the New Testament was put together based on, again, the eyewitness testimony, and it was always connected to one of Jesus's 12 apostles. So remember, Jesus called 12 followers, 12 yeah. disciples, to be his inner circle. And uh, that word apostle means sent out, right? So he would eventually send them out to be preachers of his message. And so all the New Testament books are either written by an apostle or written by a very close associate of an apostle who traveled with that. So we, talk, we call that apostolic authority. So all New Testament books have apostolic authority. Also, uh, the 
Christians who put together, compiled the text of the New Testament into what we have as the New Testament. We're looking for consistency among the books. So, again, people could go online. You could Google search this. There are other books that were called Gospels, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in, in the New Testament. But there have been found, doc, manuscripts archaeologically have been found, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Peter. But when you look at the content of those writings, there's not consistency with what we have mm. with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. And Matthew, again, the historical record is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in particular were uh, recognized extremely early in the history of the church, generally within about 40, 50 years of uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The church is already saying these are authentic, accurate accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So that's part of it for the New Testament, consistency. And then the early church was using these books that we now have in the New Testament as authoritative teaching for the people they were trying to teach about the faith, right? They were using them the way we use them today, right? We would have a sermon based on the letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesians or Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so they were using it as authoritative teaching, again, very early in the history of the church, um, and found that the teaching uh, was beneficial to the people in the sense that, again, it was consistent with what they knew to be true about the ministry of Jesus. But again, it's all based on, especially the New Testament, the eyewitness account, and our faith is in um, that eyewitness testimony. Yeah. So we don't have to worry, James, that sometimes people come up with this gospel of Judas or yeah. Jesus had all these wives. and right. so, so we don't have right. to worry that we're missing some important yeah. books. Right. I would, inc- uh, when, when you look into those other letters that every now and then they pop up in the yeah. New York Times article, right, and when you look into it, in most cases, the chronology doesn't work. In other words, we, be- we know Jesus' ministry took place during the years from about 29 A.D. to 31, 32 and great, A.D. great uh, extra-biblical collaboration, sure. corroboration that Jesus yes, was absolutely. really a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. We call that external evidence. Yes. There's tons of external evidence that Jesus lived, that he died on the cross, that he worked miracles. Yeah. Outside of the Bible, we have that evidence. Um, but when you look at some of these other books, and based on, again, what we have found archaeologically, we find that most of these books were written in the 100s, 200s. Hmm. I mean, they're written 100 or 200 years after Jesus was uh, mm. doing his ministry. And so we know it's not written by mm. a, another apostle because they wouldn't have been alive 100 right. years after Jesus. Right. right? So it, someone else wrote it and then attached the name of some famous follower of Jesus mm. for it to try to get that to be accepted as Scripture. Um, so, no, you know, we, we shouldn't get all bent out of shape when we hear right. a news story that, oh, we found a lost gospel. Yeah. Um, no, the, the church from very early days would say, no, there's only four Gospels, and it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you don't need to look for any others. Yeah. I'm kind of having trouble with what I do know is sure. uh, the truth in the Bible, right. let alone new texts. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right. so 27 books in the New, new Testament, Testament yeah. uh, you know, 66 total. total yep. Uh, and I, I think, talk to me a little bit, there's one common theme that runs throughout yeah. the Bible. Would yeah. you say that's true? Well, I teach people at our church that the lens through which we need to study the Scriptures would be the person of Jesus, because mm. the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament is preparation for the coming of the mm. Messiah, right? They're always looking forward to this one. Mm. So there's, there's prophecies, even as early in some of the first books, uh, Moses has one of the book of Deuteronomy. 
about a prophet who would come after him, who would be this great speaker of God. So there's early on, uh, in the Old Testament, they're looking forward to a Messiah. And then the whole New Testament is the proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah, Hmm. right? That he's the one that we were looking for. He's the one that all of human history was looking for. And so you can find, even though Jesus... um, is not necessarily named in the Old Testament, right? There's Jesus of Nazareth, um, but he's woven throughout the Old Testament um, in yeah. terms of the prophecies, in terms of the things that God was doing in history that then found completion or fulfillment in what Jesus did in, in his ministry. I guess hours. one of the proofs that's startling is how many prophecies Jesus oh, yeah. did actually fulfill hundreds, that hundreds. were done hundreds and right. hundreds of years Absolutely. before Absolutely. and fulfilled exactly right. in him. Right. Uh, and so if right. you're going to weigh that right. evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, yep. I think you would come to that same conclusion. Yeah. That, now, people who are critical of the scriptures yeah. will say that the authors just wrote it that way to make yeah. it fit, yeah. right? Uh, but again, when, it, yeah. but, but when you look at, again, the historical evidence, the archaeological evidence, the manuscript evidence that we have, then that argument just doesn't, does, doesn't fit, right? There's enough mm. historical evidence to show that, no, these authors weren't making up facts, mm. right? The reality is that the facts about Jesus' life did indeed mm. match up with things that were written 800, 1,000 years before he was even born. Mm. And so that's why, that's another reason we believe that only God could have uh, communicated the content of the Bible. Right, like we have trouble knowing what we're going to do next week. Absolutely, <laughs> right? we can't even yeah. foretell today what we're going to do. Right, and the next, and here's God making a statement that He knows will come true 800 years later. Yeah, uh, what are the most? If you if somebody's going to start reading mm. the Bible, that's yeah. listening out here in yeah. Eagle Country. Yeah. We're, there's probably some yeah, great places sure. to start, probably some poor places yeah, to start. What, would, what advice would you well, give Well, the us? thing that um, I have heard repeatedly people say is they're going to read it like any other book. Now, mm. the Bible is a collection of books, mm. right? So, um, so some people think, well, I'll just start at the first page and read all the way through. Right. Okay? Well, uh, I understand why people think that way, but the Bible, that's not really necessarily how we read the Scriptures. We read them book at a time. So it's not a chronological not a Genesis chronological, to Revelation. Not necessarily. Yeah, right. uh, some of the books are not in chronological order. So um, so I would say don't, don't do that if, you, if you've not engaged with the Scriptures. Don't start and think you'll read all the way through. Um, so we encourage people, f- the first book that they should read would be the Gospel of John. Why do you say that? Um, well, it's got the simplest language in terms of even in the original language, which was Greek, it has the fewest number of different words. Hmm. In other words, um, it's a very straightforward narrative, um, and it's very easy to comprehend what's being communicated. There aren't any big spiritual words or theological words that might trip somebody up. So uh, John, in many ways, is the simplest gospel. doesn't mean it's... um, It's profoundly simple. It is profound, um, but again, in terms of just language, it's very easy to understand. Again, the other gospels are great, too. But we think John just, and John tells us near the end of his book in uh, chapter 20, he said, I've written these things so that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God, Hmm. right? So John's very much uh, written a book to demonstrate what he knows to be true about Jesus, and he's writing it to convince the readers that I want you to believe as I do because I've seen these things firsthand. Hmm. So that would be in the New Testament. We would also encourage people to look at the book of Acts, which is the start of the early church. Hmm. Um, and so the first, when the church was beginning, the followers of Jesus were just starting to come together. They faced some challenges. They pay, faced some threats. And so we have great wisdom and how to treat one another, 
how to deal with the challenges in the church. When, if you're interested in some of the Old Testament, I would recommend reading Genesis to start. Hmm. But but if you move into Exodus, Exodus isn't too bad. Some good historical narrative there. You get into Leviticus is where I tell people you're going to die in Leviticus because yeah. it's really a lot just of customs lot, and a lot of laws regulations. and commands. Yeah. That's right, and a lot of things that we're not familiar with. So yeah. we don't talk about what happens when your ox falls in a ditch because right? yeah. most of us don't have oxen. That a lot we're, of blood in there. Yeah, a lot of blood sacrifice. <laughs> so, again, there's reasons it's in the Bible, yeah. but if you're not familiar with that, it may not make sense. And yeah. so Genesis is a good place to, to start. Also, we would rec- uh, recommend anybody, anytime, read through some psalms. That's good. Which are um, uh, poems, essentially poems. Some of them would have been set to music, and so they would have been lyrics to a song. Hmm. Uh, but they, they're offering words of praise. But you also see the struggle that people have with living life. And hmm. so the psalms provide a lot of wisdom and comfort for people and have for centuries. And so Psalms is also a great book. So you know, if somebody's never engaged with the scriptures, I'd say read John, read Acts, read Genesis, read Psalms. And then from there, you'll get a sense of maybe some other places to go. Mm-hmm. But again, I would encourage don't start at the front and think, well, I'm just going to read 2,000 pages all the way through. Lori, that- uh, you're kind of this. You're a good person to kind of pause here and say, you know, you, you've started this journey at Whitewater and with Jesus by reading the Bible. What What, what have you found is... Uh, that would be helpful for Eagle Country, uh, who people are just starting out, or what are questions might you have about this subject? Well, um, I find that when I'm reading it, these are I'm taking notes, as you guys can. They can't see, but you can see that I'm taking notes because I'm like writing this down, like, well, this is what I need to do. So one, it makes me think we maybe need to help people find mm-hmm. a reading plan, mm-hmm. and we can do That's that, good. but. Absolutely. Two, you know, sometimes because I don't know, and I, I'm curious to know why it's not in order to, mm-hmm. so I would like mm-hmm. to have that answered. Mm-hmm. But um, I just sometimes I'm just flipping through it, and mm-hmm. I'll come across something, and I just am reading like the bold letters and of you know topics, mm-hmm. and I'm like that, you know, this looks interesting. I'm gonna read this, and then it's funny because a lot of times it'll be something that we end up talking about on the show later or David's talking about or that I hear in church mm-hmm. and it's all just that timing. It's like, you know, how do sure. I know that I was supposed to open it's a coincidence. That That's right. It's providence. It's a God, God incidence. Providence. Right. Yeah, providence. Yeah. Um, so why, but yeah, uh, from a lower level, why isn't it in good. order? That's great. Uh, this, the, when they were compiled, uh, they were organized uh, thematically and so there is a structure to both the Old and the New Testament. So for instance, we think, again, we, we can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but we think uh, the content in the book of Job uh, may actually be the oldest material in terms of when it was written, uh, older than when Genesis was actually written down. But uh, Job is included in what are called the historical books because the, when, they, when it was compiled, they felt like it fit better there than where Genesis was obviously about the beginning of all things. It's the creation account. So the first five books are the books of Moses. We, the church attributes um, most of that to uh, Moses. Now there's a couple sections, like it records at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses' death. Well, he didn't write about his own death, so obviously someone you know, kind of put that in at the end of uh, Deuteronomy. But the bulk of that material would have been ascribed to Moses. And then you move forward into some historical books, and then you move forward into what's called wisdom literature, which would include uh, the Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then uh, then they broke up the prophets 
uh, the prophets get a little bit different, difficult because they're not chronological. Mm. Um, because uh, there are five major prophets and twelve minor prophets, and the only distinction. It's not that the major were better or did more. It's just that they had more words. <laughs> so uh, the five mm. major prophets are longer in terms of how many chapters, where the minor prophets are much shorter in content. But those get a little confusing because they're jumping around historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the major, some of the minor prophets will overlap historically some of the major prophets, but it's not that way in the scriptures. Same thing with the New Testament. We have the four Gospels first because we want to start with the ministry of Jesus, even though those books were not the first ones written. We know that Paul wrote some of his letters before the Gospel accounts were actually written down. Um, But we wanted to start the New Testament with the life and ministry of Jesus. And then Acts makes sense right after that because the church begins. And then all the rest of the letters are addressed to the church directly. So we have to have the foundation of Jesus first, then the church, and then the message to the church through the letters. So that there are some Bibles that people can download or purchase that are chronological study Bibles. So if you're interested in reading the scriptures that way, you, you can have access to that. Uh, but how it's structured for in just most Bibles um, is not chronological. James, what about those in Eagle Country that grew up Catholic mm-hmm. and they have these books that yeah. are in between in their Bible? Yeah, often. Yeah. What, what, what's up with that? Yeah. Well, they're uh, called the Apocrypha is what we title those books. I believe there's either 13 or 14 of those books or additions to books. Um, and many of those were written. Uh, okay, I don't know how much time we have to get into this. Uh, this might take longer. Go than, ahead. That's take might take. Yeah. That might take longer than we have. Um, and I might be boring the listeners uh, on the radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but many of those books are written in what we call the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and New mm-hmm. Testament, where we don't really think God was communicating. So there are additional books. Um, many of them are story based. Several of them are historical accounts, and so we do look to them to gain some historical information into what was happening in that period of time between the Testaments. But when uh, the church, the early church, was putting together the scriptures that they were going to use as the authoritative teaching for the church, they felt like those additional books did not uh, rise to the level of the other New Testament books. Now, again, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a his- yeah, complicated the history. Answer, there's a complicated history of how it was translated and transmitted. And so they're valuable so historically. They're valuable. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not that they have no value. It's just that they were not, they did not rise to all the criteria that all the other books that end up in the New Testament met. Yeah, so, that's good. So describe briefly for Lori and I, the, the people who put, these books yeah. together were certain councils of no, God, um, godly people? What that, does that look that like? That was later on was okay. involved in that. Uh, again, what most people probably don't understand is it's not that there was one meeting on one day where there were 48 people in a room right. and they you're all in, voted. That's, That's right. right. We either voted, okay, I right. think this one's good, this one's not. It wasn't that way. In fact, it was probably, it was almost a 300-year process, a little bit mm. less than that. Mm. But it was about a 300-year process So the church was reading all kinds of stuff, right? Right. These early Christians were reading not just the 27 books we have, but other things that were being circulated at that time. And again, there may have been some value to it, but over a period of time, then um, there's this natural, you know, winnowing process that takes place where kind of the cream rose to the top. And there were a lot of individual Christian leaders, um, 
who, whether church leaders or early on what we would have called a bishop, who, you know, weighed in on these controversies. We have a lot of those writings, so we can actually study those. Yeah. Most people don't because it gets really boring. Yeah. Uh, but you could. We have those writings of those Bible early, early church fathers. college professors could never be boring, no, I never. know, James. Um, so uh, the early church fathers, we can kind of read through how they were even thinking about different books. And again, it's this very long process, and there was a council in the year 397 A.D., where the church, lots of the Christian leaders at that time, did gather together and say, you know what, this has been a really long process. And they did have, a, a again, a council meeting where they said, we believe that these are the 27 books that are authoritative teaching that God has given mm-hmm. to the church. And so they, that's when we talk about a closed set of the New Testament. Hmm. And so there's been no additions since, again, that right. point in time. Um, and the church would continue to testify that these books are authoritative to help us know and God's message. Absolutely. Let's get practical for a minute yeah, as we sure. wind down. Yeah. The, the power mm. of people yeah. reading the Bible, yeah. the power of a church when we right. teach or communicate right. or preach right. about this is, is unbelievably yeah. great. So uh, t- if you were going to talk to somebody in Eagle mm-hmm. Country, where— sure. What what are the, the the things that you would say are the benefits of them picking yeah. up their Bible yeah. tonight when this radio yeah. show goes off or tomorrow morning? Right. What what why would they want to do? I mean, they're doing so many other things that compete for their time. What right. what answer might you give them for that? Yeah. Well, the scripture one of the key verses on that comes from Hebrews chapter four verse twelve, which says the word of God is alive and active or mm. living and active. And so the idea here is that if this is God's communication Hmm. to people, which, again, the church believes. We we Hmm. believe this is God authored and God revealed and God breathed, as Hmm. as Paul would say. Yeah, inspired. If that's true, then there's something of God's presence in this book, right? If we get a a precious letter from a spouse or a girlfriend or a loved Hmm. one, right, what do we do? We read that over and over and over again, right, because there's Hmm. something about their presence that's in that communication, well, that's true about God's Word, right? So we turn to it because we believe God has communicated this. but be, And so part of His presence is in the Word. So when we're engaging with God's Word, we're actually connecting mm-hmm. with the presence of God. And it says it's living and active. And what I have found that to mean is God's Word doesn't change, right? The, the language, the words don't change on the page. But I change all the time, and every individual changes, and your life situation changes. So I could read, I just flipped to a page, I could read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today, Mm. and there could be some message or something from God that really impacts me. I could read this same chapter four years from now, Mm. and the words on the page haven't changed, Mm. but my life is different four years from now. It says something different. So it might communicate something. That's what Lori was talking about. That might communicate something different to me. Because I'm in a different place, and things are different in my life, and so now God's Word can interact with me now in the place I'm at right now. And so I tell people, there are days you'll read the Scripture, and you think, hmm, I didn't get much out of it, yeah. right? But, yeah. but it's not a waste of time, because again, you're still interacting with God's presence, and that Word may return to you in your mind at a time that you need it, right? There'll be other days where you're like, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Like, God, yeah. that was the one thing that I really needed to hear today. And so, again, it's not like every day people have this, oh, this aha, amazing moment, right? But the more we engage with the Scripture, we engage with God's presence. And, again, it can speak to every situation, every, um, everything that we're yeah. going through. It applies to everybody, everybody at all every, times. Absolutely. Though. And across cultures. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Like people all over the world read the Bible yeah. and they're impacted and their by language, things. Even yeah. their culture would be so radically different mm-hmm. than our culture. So if so. you want to, this is fascinating, James. We're going to have you back again to do another show on some other things because it really helps affirm our faith. Yeah. Uh, if you're wondering what Whitewater is about, it really is we want yeah. to be a biblically functioning right. church. We're going right. to do Bible things right. in Bible ways, right. call Bible things by Bible names. Right. And so people say, what's up with the Bible? Well, now you know. Yeah. Uh, because my word is something, but you know what? Right. God's word, right. my word has to be his word. Right. And, and, only, his, and his word has stood the test of time. Absolutely. Right? I might say something that sounds good today, but two years from absolutely. now, that statement might sound really stupid. Yeah, that but happens God's word to me stood, all the time. <laughs> stood the test yeah. of time. And I only so. really, I think, engage as a preacher, you and I who are communicators, we're only stand on the authority right. of the that's Bible. Exactly and right. when we waver from that, that's right. when the church gets messed right. up, right. when preachers get messed absolutely. up, and when people get messed yeah. up. Right. Uh, so those of you in Eagle Country, man, I, take Lori's example, take James and I example, find a Bible, yep. find a version that works, a right. translation. Uh, we use the NIV quite right. a bit, the international version. Some right. of us were raised on King James. Uh, but as James and I would say, the best translation yep. of the Bible is the one that you The one you read. Read. And it's so accessible. You know, download the U version on U version is awesome. Like, How do you spell that? Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, U version yeah. app. Because you can get 400 different translations on there or more. So, uh, again, you can really find one that you think uh, fits uh, you. And there's all kinds of reading plans on that as well. Well, I think we have... I think people can go yeah. to the to whitewatercrossing.org sure. yes. sure. or download the Whitewater Crossing yep. app. We have and a Bible are, page right yep. on the There's right a on Bible in there yeah. and correct. a reading That's plan exactly to follow. Right. So, so you don't have to know Greek or no, Hebrew. Nothing. Never or, have to do that. You know, you can just <laughs> and people died right. for the, for it's the transmitting. Uh, transmitting or yep. translation of a version in a readable right. English right. thing. Yep. And we we ought to be grateful for that. Absolutely. So hey man, this has been great and uh I've learned a lot and I'm so, I hope you have too. And so we'll see you next Sunday night on Rev. 7 o'clock, don't miss. You never quite know what's going to happen. James, why don't you give us a simple prayer as we close? Could you All do right, that for us? We can do that, All yes. Right. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to talk about your word. Mm-hmm. And God, we pray that you would continue to reveal yourself through your word as people pick it up and read it and think about the message that you have for all of us. God, help us to remember as well that everything you were doing uh, in, in, your, in your mission and on planet Earth is centered on your son, Jesus. And so we just pray and thank you for him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Rev. David and I pray that this show has revved up your life, your faith, and your work week. Find out more about Sunday service times, youth programs, and how to plan your visit to Whitewater Crossing at whitewatercrossing.org and click on the New Here tab. Our show is blessed by Crimer's Beer House on State Route 128 in Cleves. I'm Lori Enright. Please join us next Sunday at 7 p.m. for Rev with Pastor David Vaughn, only on your hometown radio station, Eagle Country 99.3.